what what priests feel when they come here is they feel like fathers and they just are able to be priests. Um, obviously, you're always a priest in different capacities and different things you're doing, but um, the missionaries and the kids, are they just want a priest. show where encounter meets mission friends i'm your host for today aaron richards i'm joined here in the illustrious damascus media studio by my friend and brother in christ dan demite hello dan. mr aaron and we've got a special guest today with us father john jadu father welcome to the show welcome. i'm excited to have you good to have you here oh yeah friends if you're new to beyond damascus we are the show where encounter meets mission so so like St. Paul, who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and through uh, engagement with the Christian community in Damascus, was awakened, empowered, and equipped to live the life of an apostle, to, to, to transform the world. Uh, this is what we do here every day. We want to avail ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that we would be awakened, empowered, and equipped to live the adventure of the Catholic faith and to bring a generation to faith in Jesus. And here in the middle of Catholic Youth Summer Camp, that's what we're doing every day. Uh, we've got 500 kids here on this campus in addition to our missionaries and all of our, our visitors from around the country. And one of the great joys that we have here during Catholic Youth Summer Camp every week of the summer is that we are joined through by the likes of some amazing uh, priests and seminarians and religious who are able to join us for a week, Father John, you have been with us now. This is your second year yep, yep. in ministry here with, with Damascus. And how's your week been? Oh, it's been so good. It's, uh, it's super sad to leave right now, but uh, it'll be, I mean, it's just a real blessing. I mean, I just can't, can't describe it, honestly. Well, we, we, will, we will work over the next hour to describe it. <laughs> to describe it. There we go. <laughs> uh, Father, Father John is, uh, is a, a, well, all of us are unique additions, I suppose, to the, to the ministry of Damascus. But Father John... Um, you are the only guy I think that we've got on on campus this summer who is a member of a rite other than the Roman rite of yep. Catholicism. Yeah. So you are a priest of the Chaldean rite, correct? And you, you'll have to you'll have to excuse me and correct me as we go through the show that my language may be a little off. But um, for those of us who have never heard this terminology before, what is what is the Chaldean rite? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, the Catholic Church is universal and amazing. And uh, the Chaldean Rite is one of the Eastern Rite churches in um, Iraq, where it originated in Iraq, specifically in the Nineveh Plains. Um, and our language is Aramaic. Um, right now we speak modern Aramaic, and we're just one of the Eastern churches that create the beautiful body of the Catholic Church. So yeah. uh, it's a great joy. I mean, every single missionary or even the kids that I'm seeing throughout the week I'm, just, I'm telling them I'm Chaldean and they're confused. Yep. And I'm like, it's like Maronite, but the Maronites are from Lebanon, but we're Chaldean, yeah. which not a lot of people know about. Yeah. But, uh, it's great. It's I, such a blessing. I had a, I had a great experience. I'm sure, Dan, you did too. In high school, both of us went to St. Charles here in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And one of the adventures that our, that our, uh, our school provided for us was a, an exploratory glimpse into the Maronite tradition. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first, my first experience of, of an Eastern divine liturgy uh, are they, is, is yours called divine liturgy as we well? We call it, uh, the mysteries in, in Aramaic. It means Raze is what we okay. say. Yeah. 
so in in the Maronite church that at least the one that we went to, it was called D- Divine Liturgy, and uh, it was it was spectacular. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> so so beautiful. And there's there's a part there's a part of of that experience that feels so different and so foreign, but at the same time so uh, so appropriate and so close. Yeah. So we've got a lot to learn, and I think uh, I think engagement and community is a really good thing. So Absolutely. Uh, I love it. Over the course of the show today, our our hope is to really dive into your story. And to hear um, and maybe be educated on on what it is that uh, that is unique about the um, the tradition, and you know, as as we begin to enter into kind of understanding how is it that that we as a church can can grow and learn from each other. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, that. especially as little little hint of things to come. We're we're looking at expanding one of our one of our regional expansion campuses into into Michigan in the coming years and uh, and that will likely be in very close partnership with with the Chaldean oh, yeah. community in in central Michigan yeah for those who don't know the Chaldean community we're in um, mostly in Detroit uh, Metro Detroit we have around 180,000 Chaldeans in wow. Metro Detroit um, and we're in our little bubble because as you'll find out like we're a really tight-knit community yep the community stays close together, um, whereas other other Eastern churches are in what we call diaspora, which are like just spread out throughout the whole country, throughout the whole world. But there's something beautiful about us as Chaldeans, just where the church goes, the people yeah. go, and they just follow the church. And um, so it's a really vibrant, thriving community, um, 10 amazing parishes in Detroit and two in Chicago. And so um, we're just really blessed. I'm really excited to ask us if you guys are going to come out there uh, pretty close to us. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be awesome. So 10, 10 churches in Detroit, two in Chicago. So that is the diocese, I yeah, presume. And then we have a mission in uh, Boston where there's some Chaldeans and Assyrians. Um, similar area of Iraq, but ethnically a, like similar but different. There's an argument about that. <laughs> Any Chaldeans watching, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so there's a mission in Boston, and um, there are some Assyrian and Syriacs, which similar thing. It's Chaldeans, Assyrians, and Syriacs, all in the same region um, with similar history uh, that are in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, okay. And so our diocese is everything west of the east of the Mississippi River, and then there's another diocese in San Diego uh, with churches kind of all yeah. over California and Arizona and Las Vegas. Um, and they have everything west of the Mississippi River. <laughs> yeah. So the United States has two Chaldean Catholic So no diocese. Roman right bishop can ever complain that they have to drive too much when <laughs> sure, your yeah. bishop covers the half the country. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's not So 180,000 Catholics, like our Diocese of Columbus is about, um, I think about 240,000 mm-hmm. Catholics. And so, but a, it, ten, 10 parishes for 180,000 yeah. people, that, ten, those, are, those are large parishes. 10 parishes and like, I think, like 18 priests so (laughs) one priest per 10,000 but we're seeing a a great revival in vocations we've got 12 seminarians uh, a lot like 20 to 30 guys literally discerning uh, women like discerning religious life so there's a lot of there's a lot going on in the church yeah how many weddings and first communions did you say your church does so the parish I'm about to go to in August it's it's like our biggest parish probably uh, last year had 330 First Communion oh students, gosh, um, <laughs> and we accept them at third grade and up. And then this parish, just because the girls love the long aisle and we have this huge, beautiful cross, um, 220 weddings Whoa, in a year. 220. So, uh, that is wild. Pray for, pray <laughs> that for is, me. That is almost one a day. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, 
on our, on our last show, I was recalling just a moment ago, you know, we, we talked about how when you meet people who are different, it reveals a part of the church and a mm. part of the Lord that, that you don't get to see in yourself. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for today's show to yeah. be able to really um, dive in and, and meet in some way uh, an expression of the Catholic faith that can, that can teach yeah. us something about ourselves. That's exactly how I felt coming to Damascus. Yeah. So. Amen to that. God bless you guys. Dan, you want to kick us off with prayer today? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we love you so much. We love how you have uh, drawn your people together. We pray for um, your blessing and your power to be upon this episode. Lord, we just pray your presence to fall. Lord, we thank you so much for the work you're doing in the Chaldean community. I thank you that your presence is alive and active in the Middle East, Lord, and that you continue to bring uh, transformation and revival to the Middle East. And so, Lord, we pray for all of our Chaldean brothers and sisters who are here in America, and we pray for their families that are back in Iraq and in the Middle East, Lord, that you would, um, uh, we know they are your children, and that you long for them uh, to have freedom and to experience intimacy and love with you. And so we just pray for protection, power, and providence to fall over them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, evangelization is, uh, it's a Christian responsibility, right? It's a, maybe even a human responsibility, not, not, just a, not just a diocesan or a parish yeah. responsibility. So uh, I want to um, acknowledge the work of uh, St. Gabriel Radio. Here we're, we're, in the, we're in the Damascus Media Studio. St. Gabriel is a partner in evangelization with us here in this diocese who has made a lot of the work of Beyond Damascus possible. So really grateful to St. Gabriel Radio. Thank you guys for your work. Tune into St. Gabriel Radio here in the Columbus area, and we're blessed to be in partnership for this great work of evangelization. Um, Father, it's it's a joy to have you here. Describe what you do in the yeah. day in, day out here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp for a week. Oh, man, at CYSC. Um, honestly, whenever I, I, I came last year and I was like floored, I didn't know what to expect this year. I, I had a little bit of a better expectation. What what priests feel when they come here is they feel like fathers and they just are able to be priests. Um, obviously, you're always a priest in different capacities and different things you're doing, but um, the missionaries and the kids, are they just want a priest. Yeah. And your job is not to do anything else. I always like kind of joke around, um, I would love to just show up yep. and just like receive people in love and then love them in return. And, and so that's like, I feel like that's what we do. Uh-huh. We administer the sacraments, uh, bring the love of Jesus, uh, through our smile, through our joy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm a normal guy, and yet I have the, the vocation is not normal. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just able to be myself and live out my vocation in a, in a really free way. Mm-hmm. You, guys, you guys love talking about freedom, and I feel so free when I'm here. So One of the, one of the ways yeah. that, that priests will often describe their experience here is that, you know, it seems that oftentimes I'm ministering in a hostile environment where I'm like, I'm trying to convince people to... <laughs> To want the message that I'm communicating, yeah. but but here at here at Damascus and at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, it's like people are so hungry yeah. to uh, to allow me to live out an expression of my vocation. Um, I'm sure you've experienced that even preaching here. It's uh, mm. it's almost it's almost unfair preaching at Damascus to our like especially to our missionaries because you, you could you could say something that's not even that great. effective or convincing. <laughs> people are like, Amen. Oh, yes. yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that really impacted you gotta, me. You've got to check your pride when you're here. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, so. Uh, so any, uh, any, any, any 
priests who are uh, who are thinking, man, I need a I need a little shot in the arm. Come visit us yeah. at Damascus. You're welcome here. Uh, that's beautiful, Father. What what brought you to Damascus two years ago? Uh, so, yeah, I, I heard about you guys through Encounter Ministries. I got involved in in their school of ministry. And you guys both came out and, and spoke there. Yeah. And then I remember uh, speaking to an awesome priest that I went to seminary with, Father, Father Adam Maher. And he had yeah. told me that he came here. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is, this is me. Like, <laughs> youth. This is my people. Like, Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, let's go. Yeah. And so uh, I, I kind of took that like, little easy leap of faith last year to just come and just check it out. And then... Yeah, second year is awesome. Good, yeah. good. Yeah, Father Adam was here just a couple of weeks ago. He's uh, he's an awesome guy. Oh yeah, big yeah. big fan. Pray for those guys in Saginaw, and he's uh, he's doing a great job. Amen. Church in Saginaw. So uh, you know, encounter. I'm sorry. Uh, Beyond Damascus is the show where encounter meets mission, mm. and we like to talk about how uh, our encounter with the person of Jesus, our encounter with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, it it cannot be lived, in fact, in any other way. Well. Um, it can't be fully lived outside of a life on mission. Mm-hmm. And, and and Father, you were, you were living a life on mission. I'd love to maybe start just briefly before we jump into kind of the, the unique um, aspects of the ministry that you do and, and the life that you've been called to. Uh, how is it that you came to faith in Jesus? How is it that you came to an encounter with him that, that, that set you on this path of missionary life? Yeah, that's like, that's a really, um, I could go on for hours about my life and my story and everything. Um, I just always was looking for for meaning and purpose and didn't find it in the world. Um, Went to Michigan State University and got my undergrad there and everything. And I had everything that I thought I would want. And and then it still didn't satisfy. Did you grow up here in the States? Yeah. So um, Chaldeans, most most Chaldeans my age are first generation Americans. My parents were born in Iraq. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad grew up in the Nineveh Plains. My mom grew up in Baghdad. Um, they're an arranged marriage. So wow. my dad, you know, came to the States early and then um, couldn't find a wife and didn't, it didn't work out. And so he went back to Iraq and my mom comes from a good family. And so there she is. Huh. And so uh, they've been married That's now wild. 35 years wow. and God bless them. What's their, what's their current like perspective on arranged marriage? <laughs> um, probably not. Okay. I, I, yeah. I think, yeah. Just in this culture, at least. Yeah. In, in in the culture that they grew up in, I actually think it would probably work mm. if if the families are good, you know. But the the destruction of family has really hurt that. Mm. Um, but back to my story, I guess, like, just really yearning, um, um, coming to myself. I always like look at the prodigal son in that moment where he he came to his senses or he comes to himself and says, like, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, and um, so I said, okay, what do I actually want? What, what is my heart's desire? And I came to this just reality of love. And I've al- I'd always seen um, authentic joy and love in Christians. And, and I kind of like looked at myself a little bit in, in college as like an agnostic. Didn't really know the faith, didn't, um, didn't not believe, but didn't believe. So I struggled. Yeah. You weren't going to church? I actually, the craziest thing, I was. Yeah. But I was never receiving the Eucharist. Okay. I was uh, going to St. John's Student Parish in, in uh, East Lansing and had awesome, great priests that were preaching. But I knew in my heart that my soul was not ready for Jesus. And, and I, I was like, Jesus, is that you? Is that really you? And I struggled with that. Um, so at, at 21, after college, um, I just went through a little hard time in my life. And I was like, Lord, I'm just going to give you a chance. 
And so I said to myself, if that's really who you, if that's you, if you're in the Eucharist and that's you're, the Eucharist is you, then nothing else matters. And shame on me if I don't spend every single day at least in your presence. <laughs> so I started going to Holy Hour and daily Mass. Zero to, zero to a thousand. Yeah. And I, and I was just like really fathered by some awesome priests that like walked with me a little bit. And then mm. um, my heart started changing. And then they, and the youth group that I was like kind of around were struggling to find men. And so they called me and said, hey, we need you at our youth group. I was 21 years old and like, <laughs> okay. And <laughs> just come to be the male presence. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, I really feel like sometimes evangelization is just showing up. Like uh -huh. Later when we talk about Iraqi Christians, as you guys were praying, I was thinking like all we are in, in the Middle East is like we exist. And the Pope, when he visited Iraq, he like affirmed the presence of Christianity in the Middle East mm. and said like, your just your presence is evangelizing Muslims. Mm, wow. Um, evangelization is not legal, it's not allowed, and yet like you're here. Yeah. And thank God for that. So you always you need Christians all around the world. And so like my presence at youth group, but then seeing like the gifts of God in my life and then living those out. Like I feel like the love of God is like confirmed in you when it's poured out from yeah. you. So Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. So, so that so that led to seminary? Uh eventually. Um I didn't go to seminary until I was twenty four. Okay. Three years in. I rejected um the call of priesthood for uh for a long time and said like, No God, I don't want to be a priest. Like that's not that doesn't look interesting or like um I, I had struggled seeing like joyful priests and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and even the, even the loving ones were just old. And so I said, nah, <laughs> but, uh, and God bless all you priests. Thank you guys. Uh, even the old ones, you know, <laughs> like, oh man, it actually consoles my heart when I'm old. I, I we won't I reject you father. I love it. I, I love promise. it. <laughs> oh man. You're allowed um, to smile though when you're old, just so you know. Correct. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but I did encounter some younger priests, um, in my diocese that were like super joyful, mm -hmm. really loving and. So I said, wow, like that actually looks attractive. And so three years of like dating and then eventually saying like, wow, there's something missing like, yeah. in terms of my heart. I want it to be poured out in a, in a, in a honestly, in a bigger way in, in terms of how I felt about it. I wasn't satisfied with just like four or five kids and all that. I was like, I want everyone. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's what happened. So I eventually said, like, I have to go to seminary. I have to discern it properly. Mm -hmm. And then six years later, I, I never left. I was ordained at 30. And four years later, I'm here. Wow. Okay, so it's been four years since ordination. Yeah, God's Praise providence, man. What, uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned engagement with the Encounter School of Ministry. What was that like for you? Because that's, yeah. that's pretty atypical for... Chaldean. It is. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Father yeah. John's making it more typical though, right? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be a News bridge. News is spreading. What's happening? I'm trying to be a bridge for the, the Chaldean church. I, for us as a church, we just need to partner with so many beautiful movements and revivals. So uh, that's where my heart is. And yeah, so that's why I love you guys. Thank you guys. Um, so I, I just, um, I knew Father Matthias through the seminary. Uh, mm -hmm. He was a uh, a spiritual director in the seminary and so I knew that he was doing this I had um, an experience at Steubenville that was like I want to kind of understand this a little bit more and I knew that it was called a school of ministry so I said I, I'm, I'm the type like I don't I won't commit to like the whole two years of the yeah. school or whatever I said let me just do the first eight weeks it's the yep. first quarter see how it goes and when I was there 
my priesthood, my, the ministry started transforming, and mm. I said, okay, I got to go. I got to keep going. And so it was, and it was a commitment for you. Yeah. An yeah. hour, hour drive? Hour drive to Brighton um, on my day off. Yeah. Um, I, I should be resting, but it actually became more restful. Yeah. So thank God. For those who don't know the Encounter School Ministry, they just they're essentially they're teaching supernatural ministry. Uh, so both identity, who we are as Christians, but also supernatural ministry. What was the biggest fruit you saw from the ministry school? Mm. Oh man, it's a hard question. Um, just to, for me, at least, an, an increase in faith. Um, yeah. Uh, they talked so much in the beginning about like renewal of the mind, a lot of renewal of the mind, uh, a lot of like transformation, uh, and then just expectant faith that God wants this and loves this, and and that's what I love seeing from you guys as well. Like, this is how you're teaching your missionaries. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting because I often think that the you, you see so many priests go through the school of ministry and you're like you went to seminary for so long yeah. and I hear so many priests say, this is the first time I feel like I've been equipped yep. to do ministry work. And so it's interesting because sometimes seminary seminaries are simply schools of theology, but mm -hmm. not necessarily schools of ministry and, or maybe schools of the sacramental ministry mm -hmm. and the, the, the power of understanding the gifts of the Holy spirit and how we can grow in the gifts of the Holy spirit and utilize those as tools in our tool belt while we're yeah. out doing mm -hmm. the work of ministry. Ministry. It's pretty powerful. Here's, for a here's why I stayed after a quarter. I saw how Catholic it was, and I saw how scriptural it was. And obviously, they're the same Catholic and scripture. Like, but the integration in their teachings, and that some of you guys, you guys taught some of them, was like there is nothing not Catholic about this, and yeah. there's nothing not scriptural about mm -hmm. this. And I said, this is great. This is great. Yeah. Mm. So, well, jump. You know, jump. Sorry, John Paul II says that the get it out uh, there. Yes. Whenever, I, whenever I speak about <laughs> you trying to say Father John just to, uh, last name, <laughs> yeah. start to get excited. Uh, that the, the charismatic and the and the uh, and the charismatic and the institution dimensions of the faith are coessential. Amen. And I, I think I think there, there's a trap either way of of thinking that yeah, the formation that I've received is sufficient, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the training that I've received is sufficient. The moment that we that we begin to think whether whether a, a lay person or a, or a priest that like I've I've got what it takes to effectively exercise the ministry of Jesus, uh, <laughs> there's a problem. No, yeah. no more growth necessary. <laughs> yeah. I am effectively doing Jesus's ministry. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you know, you see you see error on both sides of the equation um, when somebody thinks, hey, this this uh, a more charismatic expression is sufficient to the exception of sacramental theology mm. or that a sacramental theology is sufficient to the exception of the, the living active work of the mm. Holy Spirit in a new way in the church today. Yeah. So both these things are, uh, are critical for us to understand. Yeah. Father, you know, you're coming from, you're coming from a, a, a new understanding and expression of your own Catholic faith and Catholic culture. I'm curious, just how does this align with like, what is the, what is the common expression of the Catholic faith in, in the Chaldean communities? Um, yeah, so, I mean, we could talk about, like, like what the faith kind of is in, in the Chaldean community. I think that would be, like, a helpful um, way to talk about it. Um, in, in the U.S., I feel like a lot of people talk about personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And we, um, in the Chaldean community, did not understand what that meant, um, especially our older priests. We're like, what do you mean? You know, 
because our faith, um, because we're in Iraq and we had to stay really tight and really close together, mm-hmm. um, the faith was always emphasized as something communal. And, and it didn't have to be personal because it's part of your culture. It's part of who you are. It's part of, um, yeah, so the communal aspect of that. So I, I see faith as being expressed um, communally um, with big feast days and like the whole community coming yeah. together to the church. Um, but now with our younger generation, um, the desire for um, personal relationship, personal prayer, um, like our, our like, it seemed like our tradition was like our prayer was the liturgy. And the liturgy wasn't just um, relegated to the mass, but like we have our own um, liturgy of hours and we call it the, um, yeah, the taqsa and all that. So, hmm. And it would be always like the, the deacons would be like chanting really loudly and the people would just participate in that. Hmm. Or they would be praying rosaries together or whatever. But isn't, there's not this like heart to heart with the Lord. And so. it's, it's curious because that focus on community versus, versus a focus on the personal expression of the faith, mm-hmm. it comes as probably a direct result of the climate in, yeah. Persecution. You know, in the Middle East. Can you describe what, what is Christian faith lived for the Chaldean community in the Middle East? Well, I, I would say it's exactly what I described in the sense of community. Yeah. Um, all, all the Christians surround the church. And then where there is not a church, um, Christians don't live there. Wow. You know, Iraq especially is like mm-hmm. 98% Muslim. It used to be probably 90%. But now um, there used to be 1.5 million Christians in Iraq uh, before uh, the first Gulf War. Um, since then, there's about hundred and about 200,000 left. Wow. And so a, a big diaspora. Many went to Australia, um, all over Europe, and then many to uh, Michigan, uh, where I'm from. Mm. Do you have family in the Middle East still? I don't. Okay. No. Yeah. And where my dad grew up, um, that was one of the towns ISIS attacked. Wow. Um, one of the towns where like the neighbors of Christians, the Muslim neighbors of Christians literally said like, either you convert, you pay us a tax, or we kill you. And so they left. And so um, the town that my dad grew up in, there's no more Christians. Maybe mm. like, I think 20 families. And they're just toughing it out. Yeah. There's a priest with them that's toughing it out with them. Wow. Just to be a presence. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, what is the sentiment of those that are toughing it out? Do they understand that those that are leaving? Or is there kind of a frustration? I mean, because to go from 1.5 million to 100 to 200,000, it's like the... Uh, it, w- the Christian presence is at risk of being non-existent fairly soon. Yeah, but the people there, um, we don't understand it. It's a village mentality. The people there are incredibly simple, and they would say, like, to them, I would, I would assume they would say, like, where would we go? Yeah, this is our home. We're mm-hmm. not leaving, and so they're just living. Yep. Yeah, but then the younger generation, especially with like the rise in technology, the internet, and all that, they they're able to like go on Facebook and see a different way of life. Mm. an older generation says Mm -hmm. this is us my grandma has been here for 30 years and does not speak a lick of english she's been here 30 years and all she speaks is chaldean Mm -hmm. the the modern aramaic language Uh so yeah there's just that adaptability that isn't there for the older generation it's wild though that's the modern language that jesus would have spoken like and then how much of your liturgy is in that language uh the entire liturgy that's crazy could you you, jumping on that could you describe maybe the similarities and differences between the chaldean and the roman liturgy um yeah i'll speak ours is a 
just like really it's really wordy and it's it talks a lot about like the magnificence and the glory of god there's so much exaltation of god um and that god is like set there's this one prayer set apart sanctified perfected um commingled conjoined attached and sealed one to the other are the body and blood of jesus christ it's like it's just like very like That's mystical. Awesome. Yeah, mm. I want a tattoo yeah. of that. <laughs> <laughs> I challenge you. Go get it. <laughs> I'll pay for it, Eric. I, 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 haven't, I haven't thought about tattoos very very frequently <laughs> for about the last twenty years. But um, the uh, uh, who, so who who is who's um, recognized as as like writing those those prayers in the liturgy? Mm, um, Mar Edde and Mar Mari, um, which tradition in our tradition says are one of the 70 apostles, or wow. 70 disciples. Okay. Yeah. That is wild. And then our tradition says that St. Thomas, before going to India, stopped in Nineveh and preached to our people. Mm-hmm. And then the faith started from St. Thomas. Mm. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that is amazing. The, uh, so the NI in the Middle East, are you, is there a concern that the 100 to 200,000 is going to disappear um yeah there is and uh, and I'm, I'm sure the bishops in the middle east um are just like really it's really something on their heart and they're and they're real shepherds they're real pastors and they're walking with their sheep um and the, the crazy thing about our church i mean in iraq iraq is one country and yet um has like different semi-autonomous governments within their country um, there's Kurdistan, which literally acts like a different country, but they're in Iraq and parts of Turkey. And the bishop there um, is, is like, he has to be a little political, and he has to work with the government there because that's where they funnel the money and that's where they keep them safe. Um, and then the, the, we have a patriarch, our patriarch's in Baghdad, and the situation in Baghdad is like completely opposite than Kurdistan. Like, Kurdistan, there's opportunity, there's jobs, there's growth. Um, in Baghdad, it's like, it's just a mess. Mm-hmm. So the Christians are just like, you know, what do we do? Yeah. You know, yeah. So, uh, you know, so in our Western culture, I think, I think we've got lots of, you know, even as I preach to our, to our middle school and our high school students, we've got lots of concepts for what it means to live in the midst of a culture that's hostile to the mm-hmm. expression of faith. Uh, that's gotta be very different in, uh, in understanding like what it's like to live as a Christian in the midst of a culture that is, that is truly hostile to my existence. Yeah. Right. Um, I've, I've never, and Dan, I don't think you have either ha- ever had the opportunity to actually like minister to or, or witness to the faith in the midst of a, of a truly hostile nation and a hostile community. Mm. What's been your experience or the experience of, of those who are close to you of, of living the Christian faith in the midst of a, yeah. of a Muslim nation? Yeah, I think what we'd even tell our kids um, in America is like, first, you have to be very firm in your faith um, to, defend, to, to be able to defend that faith. Um, that's the same with, with those in Iraq. Like, they're incredibly firm in a communal way, yep. in a cultural way, in their faith. No one can make them convert. When ISIS said convert or die. Um, we did hear of a few families, but that's out of like 100,000 people mm-hmm. that actually did convert. And yeah, so that's not a thing. Conversion is, you don't do that. Even there's, um, in, in America, in our culture, there's like shaming for like, if you were to date a Muslim, like, no, you don't date a Muslim. That's not what you do. Um, so, so 
as a community, we first have to teach our children, like, be firm in what you believe. Obviously, that, that growth needs to happen in a rational way and in a supernatural way and all of that, all of the goodness of the faith. Um, and then from that, then we can evangelize um, because we, when we do, we'll be attacked. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be beat up, and we have to take those punches. What does evangelization look like there? Like, is it... Because I'm assuming, yeah. like, love is the primary way in which a Christian evangelizes. Do they wear, do they wear Christian, Christianity on their face like I think we would, or mm-hmm. is, it, is it harder to do that? Yeah, so evangelization, um, per se, I, I mean, it's not legal. Yep. It's not legal to, to convert. Um, a Muslim can't convert to Christianity or he'll die. He or she will die. Is, um, is that is that a it's a law a law of the ISIS family, or a law of the of the law, Muslim government? Basically, a law of the Middle East. It seems like mm-hmm. um, the family is allowed to honor kill the person. Yep. Wow! And it's out of honor. You can go kill them. Um, we had an experience. I went to Iraq twice, and I met a priest and a, a former Muslim, now Christian, praise Jesus, who was um, in hiding from his family. He got baptized. He wanted to be saved by Jesus Christ, and now he just. He's totally isolated from his family, and if they do find him and see him, they'd kill him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty wild. It, you, you risk absolutely everything to, everything to give your Jesus. life to the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Have you had any personal experience, Father, of, of Muslims converting to the faith? I have in, in the U.S., yeah. Okay. I baptized uh, about four of them, and uh, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, you're able to start with the kerygma and just build from that, and they, they receive the kerygma so purely. So I imagine, you know, you, you carry even yourself being, being first generation in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, you carry still a lot of the influence of that culture from the Chaldean community in, in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Do, do the Muslims in, in the U S in your experience carry some of those same cultural understandings from their experience in, in the middle East about of, of Christians? Yep. Um, I would hope so. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I, I just, there's just so much goodness in Christianity, and I do believe that we witness to that as a Chaldean people. Yeah, I, I do. Um, but in every community, there's hypocrites. There's, or whether they're hypocrites or they're just not faithful. Um, and so there's always you can point to. Yeah. What we do is we put like rosaries around our uh, in our dashboard. There's statues everywhere. We're very devotional, but then we'll go and do all of these really yeah. sinful things. So a, mo- a Muslim, if they want, can point to that question sure. and say, you're Christian? Come on, man. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the, you, you quoted those words of, was it Pope John Paul II who said that your, mm-hmm. your presence is evangelizing? Oh, no, that just came from the Holy Spirit just now. I don't know. The, okay. Or, but maybe, the Pope, I, maybe I'm I misheard sorry. you. Oh, yeah, which Pope? Pope, uh, Pope Francis, when he oh, came. Pope Francis, got it. I remember reading, um, like, his, his letter that he sent to us after. Yeah. And... That that was like his message. Good was just the presence, and yeah. that was beautiful. So your your presence is evangelizing, and I, I think as as I'm reflecting on that, the the important thing to to note is to be certain that your presence is evangelizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? That there's a amen. Yeah. You know, just just existing in a way that's that's um that that can't be discerned from from the world. It it doesn't allow us to actually understand the value of our of our presence and our witness. Uh, that's 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 a, a good mo- note of conviction, Father. Yeah, so you, you've been yeah. working in, in youth ministry. What's youth ministry look like in the in the Chaldean Church? Uh, it's fun. Uh, it's thriving. Again, like I said, like we just have a big community, and so we have a lot of kids. Um, and uh, we just have youth nights every every week, middle school and high school, and um, it's great. 
our kids go through a lot of um, similar things that Roman Catholic kids probably go to and, and, and all kids go through. Um, but being ethnic um, and having parents that come from Iraq um, don't understand American culture, our kids are often don't feel understood. Yeah. And, and even like the faith, um, they're way more intentional about their faith than their parents are. And so their parents don't understand and they start evangelizing to their parents, hopefully. And it's good. So it's, it's yeah, I love it. I love being with kids. Have, have you been able, I'm, I'm just not even sure I should be. Have you been able to see any uh, Chaldean students come to Catholic Youth Summer Camp? I, that's my joy. That's my hope, at least. Yeah. Okay. That's God why you're such an advocate of, I tried. Uh, of this partnership. <laughs> I totally tried, yeah. It takes time. I, we were talking uh, earlier this week, just the cultural differences, that they're not used to sleeping over at other places. And so, which we found that with other immigrant, first-generational immigrant families yeah. is that idea of, well, why would you not sleep at home? <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, taking, taking time to help build trust with the different communities is really critical in ministry. Sure. And we're seeing that, I think, all across the board in America. Like, we have to learn how to reach out to the Hispanic uh, Catholic community more effectively. Like, in that way, they don't they, they have that same cultural boundary that we're not ready to spend the night at people's, uh, at a retreat center. And yeah. so to build trust. And it took, what, four years of trying to build trust with the Hispanic community here in Columbus. And then this week, we've got, like, probably, I think it's like 40 to 60 Hispanic youth here. So, but it just, it takes time to, to build those relationships and and their pastor and their pastor and their associate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful. So father, one of the questions that we, that we frequently ask is, is, you know, what is your dream for the church? And I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, coming from, coming from a, from a different right within Catholicism, um, what do you see as the, as your dream for the church? And, and how do you think that, that maybe, we, as we're speaking, primarily probably to a to a Latin right audience, could could come to uh, I don't know grow and see our faith expanded and our perspective expanded through hmm. through interaction with the Chaldean community. First thing that popped up um, was just my brother priests and just my dream for them and their holiness. Um, when you have holy priests, you have holy people. So um, and then um, the next thing was. It always strikes me, and we always say it, um, but Christmas and Easter, and how, if you guys saw Chaldean churches on those nights, unbelievable. <laughs> you guys do Easter vigil, which is awesome, but for us, um, in our tradition, we just, maybe it's not our tradition, it's just out of necessity. Yeah. We have masses at 2, 4, 6, 8, and 10, and 12 um, on, <laughs> on, on Easter Eve, on Holy Saturday, oh. and every single mass has, I'm not at my parish, which is even a little smaller, has at least 800 to 1,000 people. Wow. Every single one. <laughs> and then the next day, you know. And so my vision, my joy, my desire would be like, that would be every weekend. Yeah. And what, what do you look like at the end of that marathon? <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, do you, are you sure you want that to be every weekend? <laughs> You're going to need I some do. more priests. I do. Yeah. Oh, man. You'd do it. I want like we have a we're on a main road we're on a big street and I I call like our parish a traffic jam and <laughs> I want it to be yeah and so we had a new pastor come in who's um, predominantly Arabic speaking and insanely charismatic and dynamic in the Arabic community mm. like he's got like four hundred thousand like followers on Facebook and he does all these videos and he's a he's a he's awesome his name's Father Samim and. Uh, when he moved to the parish I'm at uh, just this past year, we had to double park the entire church. Like 
no one could leave. And, wow. and then the English community, after his mass that I'm celebrating mass for, are like, come on, Father, like, what's going on with the parking lot? And I'm like, guys, this is a good problem. This is really good. And then we just shifted mass times, and like, he starts a little earlier. So, like, how good. Yeah, so that is amazing. So there's an English community and a Chaldean community at parish? Yeah, so um, every, every parish in our diocese celebrates mass in three languages. Um, okay. Arabic, which um, the Chaldean community is now shifting to Arabic because the language is, um, you can expand more upon the gospel, and more um, people have come from Iraq that they just speak more Arabic. It's the, it's the language. Um, and then English. We've translated the Mass in English uh, the past 15, 20 years. Uh, and we've seen revival in, in the English community because of that. That's mm -hmm. big. And then the modern Aramaic. And then there's even old Aramaic, which um, I celebrate sometimes, but it's difficult. And it's hard to pronounce the words. <laughs> so. What is your level of mastery of these languages? Um, I can read Aramaic really well, like modern Aramaic. Um, obviously English, um, Arabic non-existent. Uh -huh. And I'm like kind of grateful for that because I'm like, you get to stay in your lane. For that. Like, <laughs> I love you guys. But. So um, no, I mean, God bless. God bless all like bilingual, trilingual priests. Because yep. um, it's a lot. Uh, studies show that like those priests have a tendency to burn out yeah. um, a lot. So, hmm. um, so yeah. It's just it's really great. And the and the English speaking community is still a Chaldean It's a Chaldean right. Chaldean right. And culturally Chaldean, like everyone's Chaldean. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the mass is beautiful and we we try to keep it like authentic. Yeah. A lot of people have like their their ways of communicating that because there's there is a lot of like liberality in terms of how you um how you ring the bells and how you slam the Whatever and yep. you know, all that stuff. Wait, what are the whatever? I don't called? know. Like what, I <laughs> forgot what they're called, but they're like. <laughs> I want to. I want to go like, to see the slamming of the bells. It's so fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That is amazing. We used to have a curtain, you know, a veil, altar veil. We used to. There was something called the bama, which is where you would start the mass in the middle of the church, and everyone would just be in the middle of the church, and then you'd walk down the aisle for the procession of the gospel when time for the gospel mass would used to be three hours. It's like. You know, now we're at an hour. So. Yeah, that's wild. So. The is there is there kind of the tension like in America? There's the Novus Ordo tension <laughs> sure. versus the Latin Rite tension. Do you see that even within the Chaldeans? You know, all of that tension is like it's like not caused by the priest, but encouraged a little yeah. by the priest. <laughs> I would say and it's the same here too. Right? Yeah, in our church, um, our priests are pretty united. Okay, we're, we're trying to be like pragmatic and practical. Yeah, um, but also reverent and loving. Lord That's good. It's a little easier though when there's yeah. 18 priests. True. Yeah, yeah, you can I mean, you can exactly. actually have a meeting with all of the priests <laughs> exactly. in the diocese and have an effective conversation <laughs> exactly. of unity. That's incredible. So, Father, it, it, that that was that was my next question. Actually, the uh, as a as a priest in the Chaldean Rite, I've only ever seen you outside of the Chaldean Rite. Um, is it common for for your clergy to to be deeply engaged with the Roman Rite? Not at all. Actually. Okay. And. And I'm actually not that engaged in the Roman Rite. Um, so it's only at CYSC. Great. Um, the only time I ever can celebrate in Mass at all is is with you guys. Um, but every single day in my daily life, um, I'm in my parish. Yeah, yeah. that's wild. So I'm, I'm not dual Rite. I'm not allowed to celebrate the Roman Rite, but I can, can celebrate, and mm -hmm. it's been a joy with you guys. Yeah. Well, it's been a joy having yeah. you here as well. For sure. Um, good. So... Our dreams for uh, our dreams for the future. We we've been announcing here this summer that 
in within the next two years, we uh, intend and are committed to uh, the launch of a regional camp in the Great Lakes region. And it's it's been through invitation of kind of entering into the first steps of partnership with with a, a camp owned by the Chaldean Diocese yeah. in Brighton, Michigan. That's awesome. So uh, it's been a joy. You know, it, it hasn't been signed, sealed, delivered yet, but um, it's it's been a great joy walking with you and working with you. What are you what are your yeah. dreams to see that project expand? Are you are you able to elaborate on that? Um, I so I just want it to happen. Like it, my <laughs> dream is that, and I and I believe that the Lord wants it, and and there's such goodwill um, on, on your guys' side. But then, like my bishop is so in, and so he's all about this. Um, so. I love that. And his heart is for the future and for the youth. He's a young bishop that is filled with the Holy Spirit and so devotional. Um, one of my graces, like during COVID, was um, during the quarantine side of it, I was like, I'm not staying in my rectory by myself, like uh -huh. in COVID quarantine. So I'm, I went to the chancery and lived with the bishop. And every single morning, and honestly, throughout the entire day, I'd see him in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. He's constantly praying. He's multiple hours a day. And I'm just like, Wow, I love you. Yeah. So he's a great bishop, and um, because of that goodwill and th where the spirit's moving, it's going to be awesome. Amen to that. Yeah. I had a similar experience. I remember it, it is it is good to be reminded of the faithfulness of many of our church leaders, who oftentimes we would consider administrators, mm -hmm. right? I, I remember I was I was in youth ministry at Saint Agatha, and one time I happened to walk in on my pastor as he was as he was praying. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh you love Jesus. <laughs> like, awesome. It's so encouraging. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, yeah, what a great, what a great witness of, of your Bishop. Thank you father for joining us today. Yeah, it's such it's a uh, it is, it is a great joy having you here. I wonder if maybe um, we could, we could pray both for those yeah. in the, in the Roman rite and in the Chaldean rite that we could see uh, kind of the, the grace of, of what we can offer to each other be expanded. Yeah. Um, you know, like like I witnessed before, I think most of most of our audience who's tuning in is probably in, in the Roman in the Roman rite, the Roman tradition. I wonder if maybe you could uh, you could pray for us. Yeah, how about I do it in Aramaic? Yeah, that would be beautiful. Yeah. That would awesome. be beautiful. So, um, how about we'll just start with a Hail Mary um, in Aramaic, and then um, I'll just give you guys uh, the blessing. Amen. So, the name of Shemit Baba, Brona, Uruhat Kutsha, Chaalaha, Amin. Shlame illach Mariam, Melitha Nahme, Maran Immach, Borachtab Inche, Borchele Perit Kasach Ishor, Mart Mariam, Yimme Dalaha, Salem Bedalan Achni Hataye, Dahau Shated Mothen Amin. And this is the blessing. Nabed Maran Ishor Am Shiha, Uhubedalaha Awa, Shotaputa Druhat Kutcha Dehwe Am Kulan, Hasha, Ochelizwan, Will Alam Almin. I mean, Amen. God bless you guys. And uh, yes. and we'll we'll pray too for uh, for our for our listeners and for those in the in the Chaldean community as well. Father, share this with your uh, oh with, yeah with your kids. Go. All right, yeah. um, we'll pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we love you, and uh, and we're grateful for opportunities that we have both here at Damascus and in the course of our daily life to to meet faithful men and women who are living are living the expression of their faith in a way that is that is unique and different to ours. Jesus, I pray that through the witness of Father John today, that you will move hearts who have um, maybe grown complacent amongst those who are listening on our on our audience online, Lord, that, that you would continue to invite us into exploring what what else is there? What more is there? Father, I was I was 
I was inspired by your testimony today that um, even in the midst of, of the expression of your priesthood and coming to a place of faith in the midst of, of a strong community, that, that you, you, you heeded that call of the Holy Spirit that there is more. And that led, that led you, in this case, to a place of, uh, of going and seeking out formation from a, from a non-Chaldean community. Um, would that we, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would be, would be humble and receptive, that when, Spirit, you speak to us, that we could, that we could answer that call of, of, of seeking the more. So, Holy Spirit, fill us. Um, we pray for unity in the church and Jesus that you would, that you would teach us uh, all of the, the beautiful aspects of your heart that are represented most effectively elsewhere from our own. Mm-hmm. Um, we pray this all in Jesus' name. In the name Amen. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, Father, where are, you, where are you headed on your, on your way home from Catholic Summer Camp? I've got two weddings camp? out of the 220. We got two of them today. On a Friday. Yeah, on yeah. a Friday. That's, that's um, beautiful. Yeah, well, so, it's, been, it's been a grace having you here. Thank you. God um, bless thank you. you for joining our, yeah. our community here at, here at Damascus. We love you, and you're, you're welcome back anytime. Um, thank you for joining us for Beyond Damascus. This is the show where Encounter meets Mission. Once again, a shout out to St. Gabriel Radio. Thank you, St. Gabriel, for being in partnership with us. Um, friends, if you're, if you're listening here in the central Ohio area, please check out St. Gabriel Radio. Uh, they're, they're doing the good work of evangelization. Support them in any way you can. And support this show. If you are able to like, subscribe, comment, uh, ask questions, our, our team's happy and ready to respond. We want to get this message out there to as many people as can possibly receive it. Why? Because we believe it's blessing your life. And if it's blessing yours, then it can bless somebody else. So help us in spreading the message of Beyond Damascus. And please pray for us here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp as we're continuing to wrap up this season. Uh, like I said, we've got, we've got 500 kids here today. They'll be witnessing in just an hour on the powerful encounter that the Holy Spirit's made in their lives. Um, if, if you're interested in the work of Catholic Youth Summer Camp, we don't usually do this on the show, but check out our Catholic Youth Summer Camp or our Damascus Mission YouTube channels. We've got uh, testimonies and videos of what's happening here on a daily basis in ministry. If the work of Beyond Damascus has been impactful for you, Uh, maybe check that out to see how that can touch your life as well. God bless you. It's been a joy. We'll see you again next week.